such a blessing and uh, sure does let us know, amen, where we need to be at. I praise God for that. Well, let's go back to Second Samuel chapter 23 tonight and um, I want to just read one verse of scripture and then give you what's on our heart. I pray it'll be a help to you. It's been a real blessing to have, uh, have our, had a lot of our missionaries and evangelists, Brother Hewitt, it's good to have him and his family here. And then also, uh, we're so thankful the Hill family has got to uh, be with us, and they'll be leaving out on Tuesday. How many of you is going to pray for them? Amen. And so let's do pray. We're certainly going to miss them. I told them next year is uh, the 25th anniversary of, um, of our Jubilee, our 25th Jubilee. And so uh, I want them to come back, amen, next year. And so it cost about $4,500, is that correct? $4,500 to come back. And they said, we don't know if we can afford to come back. I said, we're going to get you back. Can I get an amen right there? Uh, we'll get you back one way or the other. Amen. We may have to fly you back one at a time, but we'll get you here. And so I uh, don't know how that turned out, but... But, uh, you know, I think we all just take a vote and we, we bring them back. We hear a motion second. Everybody in favor of that, raise your right hand. So, all right, so y'all just make plans to come back next year for a week and be with us. And so uh, we just want them here. And, you know, it's amazing. Um, God sent in all the money to pay for the Jubilee. And I was thinking about that this morning on my way to church, uh, the amount of money it costs to have that meeting. But God paid every bill. And on Thursday night, at the very end of the service, after all the preaching and all the singing was done, Joshua came down and got saved at the end of that service, end of that week. That just crowned, that made it worth, I mean, it was worth it anyway. And I'll tell you to see a sinner saved, that's worth far more than a hundred grand. Amen. And so I just praise God for what he did. I'll tell you that young, young man has been here every Sunday morning. And uh, so I just praise God for that. He's been here and been to the church and been faithful. And so we just thank the Lord for what he's done. You can't put a price tag on a soul. Amen. And so we just thank God for that. If you'll stand with us tonight, Second Samuel chapter 23. I'd read one verse of scripture tonight in verse number 8. The Bible said, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the sea, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Father, I pray tonight that you would bless the reading of your word. I ask you, Lord, if you would, to give us liberty. I pray that you would give us the vocabulary to say only what you'd have us to say. Lord, I do not want to do or say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit or call attention to our flesh in any way. God, I pray that you would be pleased with our worship. and We just need help in this hour. And I pray that you would, uh, Lord, take the word of God and help every soul that's in this building tonight for the glory and the honor of God. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Started preaching a series this morning on leadership and dealt this morning with the last, uh, uh, the last words of a great leader. As the Bible said, now these be the last words of David. And we leave David in verse number 7 and we come to this mighty man of valor in verse number 8 by the name of Adino. And I want you to think about these men that the Bible is going to talk about that we're going to mention in this leadership series in the next few weeks or next few days. I'm just going to preach it as the Lord lays it upon our heart each service probably. But David when he was a fugitive from Saul, you know this in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 2, there was a number of men 
men uh, that came to him to join him and stood with him in the hard times of life. Uh, verse number two of 1 Samuel 22 defines that. And he describes these men in that verse there as men that were in distress, in debt, and in discontentment. These were men that came to David in a very hard time in his life and God bonded them to the heart of David and they stood with David not when people were chanting his name and not when everybody was on David's side but they stood with David when it seemed like nobody was willing to stand with him. Adino is one of those men and now we see in 1 Samuel chapter number 23 as David is beginning to exit out of this world he begins there's a list of those men those mighty men of valor that stood with him. I mentioned this morning how that mighty men must have a mighty man that will lead them and will guide them. And I want to say this morning, this evening, the mightiest man that ever walked in shoe leather was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And David will not take the time, but if you go back and look at these verses here, those David's life was flawed with sin and David was not a perfect type of Christ because there is no perfect type of Christ. All types will break down eventually somewhere and David, like all the rest, has fallen short to be a perfect type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But David is the king of Israel. David is the king of that kingdom. And David is the mighty man who led these other mighty men. And when I think about Jesus Christ, he is the captain of our salvation. He is the one that leads the way. He is the one that knows the way. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And just as Adino served David, we serve our David, amen, our heavenly David of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we come to Adino, I want you to think about this man in this text here. And I want to preach on this subject a few minutes tonight on follow the leader, amen, follow the leader. You see, when you come to this man here, he did not get in the position that he was in by doing his own thing. He didn't get in the position that he was in by going his own way. But Dino was a man that knew how to follow David. He was a man that took orders. He was a man that followed orders. He was a man that executed orders. And you know, that's what leadership is about. It's not about us putting ourselves out there. It's not about others seeing us. It's not even about accomplishments or failures or successes. I'll tell you what it is about. It's about us being faithful to the orders that have been given to us by our king of kings. Amen. And I'll tell you, if you're ever going to lead your home, if you're ever going to be a leader in a church, if you're ever going to be a leader of any type, you're going to have to learn the first thing that you do is you follow the orders that you have been given. Amen. You see, everybody wants to lead, but not everybody's willing to follow. And God will never elevate a man like he did David in these verses that is not willing to submit himself to other men and to follow their leadership. Is that right tonight? And so I want us to think about this man. I want us to think about following the leader tonight. Adino in this text. I want you to notice the character of this man. The Bible talks about his character. It is seen in his place here. The Bible said that he's a Tachmanite. And so Adino, it gives his place. We don't know much about that. We know a little bit. But that place, what it does is it tells us that he was not a superman. He was a simple man. When we look at these Bible, 
Bible characters. We're not to elevate them as some superheroes or some supermen, but they are men that walked in shoe leather just like us. They were simple men that knew how to be in their place and follow the leadership that was above them. David is above this this military advisor and this man, if he knew anything, he knew that if he was going to get the job done that needed to be done, he needed to follow his commander in chief. Amen. I'm telling you, we got to figure out who's in charge in this thing. It's not the pastor. It's not the membership. It's not the Sunday school teachers. It's not the deacon board. I'm going to tell you who's running this thing tonight. It is our commander in chief. Amen. And the day that he ceases to run this thing is the very day that you and I run it in the ground. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, if this church is going to be what God wants it to be, we got to keep Christ in the forefront. We got to keep it his church. It's got to be run his way. It's got to be pleasing in his sight. Amen. See, the problem with a lot of places today is that they are Laodicean churches, which means they are run and ruled by the people. Now, the people can be the pastor, the people can be the membership, but the bottom line is if it doesn't please God, it ought not please us. You say, why don't we let some things go on here? Because it would not please him. Why don't we do some things that other places are doing? Because it would not please him. They may have this and they may have that, but the most important thing that we need is the presence of the Almighty. And I don't want to do anything to grieve his spirit. I don't want to do anything to hinder the working of his spirit. I don't want to come and play church. Can I get an amen right there? I don't want to come and just have a quote unquote successful church. No, we want to have a spiritual church. And you can't have a spiritual church without the Spirit of God. He is the most sensitive and the most important person. And you and I have to understand our place and we have to stay in our place. Amen. It mentions his place. It mentions his position. Notice this. The Bible said that he sat in the seat. This was a high-ranking office. He was a high-ranking official. He was David's military advisor. He was over the other captains. The Bible says here he was chief among the captains. He had a high-ranking position. But yet this man knew in the position that he was in, he still knew who was in charge. He still knew who was given the orders. He was responsible, but he knew that there was one man that was accountable for everything that was going to take place. His responsibility was to carry out the orders of the one who was accountable and gave those orders. You see tonight, you and I have a responsibility and that responsibility is to follow the orders that are passed down to us. That means if you're a singer, you do it the way you're told to do. Can I get an amen? That means if you're a Sunday school teacher, you just do it the way you're told to do. You say, but I want to do it this way. That's not why we put you where you're at. Amen. We put you there to take up to follow orders, not to give orders. Can I get an amen right there? You say, well, I don't like that. I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, you can probably find places that'll let you do what you want to. I'm telling you, friend, if we're gonna have a church that pleases God, there's gotta be somebody in charge. There's gotta be somebody passing out the orders and those orders gotta come from heaven. But I'll tell you, the one passing them out is the one that's gonna stand at the judgment seat and give an account for what goes on around here. I'll gladly trade places with you if you wanna do it your way. But until then, let's just do it God's way. You say, well, why can't we do this or have that? I don't, you know, we got to be careful, don't we? Because we're accountable. 
and I see his position. The men that sit in high-ranking position in the, positions in this text, here in these verses, are men, and we'll say something more about it here in just a moment, but they're trustworthy men. Amen. Not by their words, but by their works. I'm telling you tonight, every person that ever told me, now preacher, I'm behind you, turned out to be against me. Because the people that are behind you don't have to ever secure you with that. I don't think I've had one deacon come to me and say, now preacher, I just want you to know I never go against you. I don't think I've ever had a deacon do that here. You know why they don't do that? They don't need to. You see, the, it's quiet right now, isn't it? Hang on, it'll get a little more quieter. I like awkwardness sometimes, don't you? No, I'm just telling you, this man was trustworthy. David knew that in his absence, he could trust Adino. He knew that Adino would do what was right. He was a mighty man. He had the character in which seen in his position. It's seen in his purpose, amen? You see, a position has a purpose. Look at it in this verse here. The Bible said that he sat in the seat. Now notice this, chief among the captains, amen? The reason he was in this high-ranking seat as a military advisor was because he was to help uh, conduct these, uh, these different military uh, 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 listen, uh, uh, endeavors and, and he was to help them as they would go out. He was to lead them and he was to guide them. He was chief among the captains. There was men that was under him as he was under David. He was following David and he was leading these men and there was a purpose in that. What he tells me is that no position is to be a position in any type of leadership for the sake of it being a badge or for the sake of it being recognizable or the sake of it being something about a person's image or themselves. Can I get an amen? You know why I preach that? Because platforms have destroyed our churches today. And people think they've got to have, and I know there's people here, you don't feel this way, but I'm just preaching on the, I'm preaching, I'm going to not leave, by the time we get to the end, I don't want to leave one stone unturned, Brother Danny. I want them covered everything in this little series here. And I'm telling you, it's sickening, isn't it, today, uh, where people just think they got to shine so much, got to be seen so much, and they can't do anything in secret. They got to make sure everybody knows what they've done. And they, they wanted to be about this. This was a man that his, his position just, it had a purpose. It, 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 nobody had to see it. It wasn't about being recognized. You say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I've done this for X amount of years. And, and I understand we give honor where honor is due. I think we ought to honor the deacons in the church. I think we ought to honor Sunday school teachers that have taught for years. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, uh, is that I shouldn't get mad or nobody else should get mad if it goes unrecognized because we're not doing it for a position. If anybody that's really in leadership feels right, you just assume people not pay you any attention about that because you just know you're doing what you've been called to do. Can I get a witness on that tonight? I mean, listen, I think you ought to, and I ought to give honor to people, but it's one thing when we give honor, it's another thing when they seek it and they desire it, or worse, they have a position and they never fulfill that position. I call them squatters. There are people that they have a title, but they ain't doing anything with it. You know what they all do? Get out of the way. They ought to give it up. I mean, why have a title, but not if you're all the time canceling, then why you, you got to quit. Not God, but you need to let somebody else that will be faithful. Well, for the few of us that are still listening tonight, 
The character of this man is that he, yes, he had a high-ranking position, but he wasn't about his position. He wasn't about walking around. He had a purpose in that position. David gave him that position not to just honor him, but he wanted him to do something. There was a responsibility. I've said it many times, and I want to say it again. That's what a title means. A title is just tells us what our responsibility is. Listen, if you're a piano player, it tells you what your responsibility is. If you're a guitar player, it tells you your responsibility. If you're a preacher, it tells your responsibility. If you're a Sunday school teacher, it tells your responsibility. But it's not a title. It's not a trophy. The character. It's seen in his position, his purpose. It's seen in his person. Notice the Bible said the same was Adino the S9. When you think about this man, you think about his character. God is laying it out in this verse. He is letting us know that this man, he's a simple man, but he's a steadfast man. He's a spiritual man. He's a man that, that can be trusted. Amen. And the character of Adino is in this verse is identified. Why did God bring out his name? Why did God want us to know who he was? Because of three things. Number one, because of his ability. Amen. And we see that in this verse. This was a mighty man. This was a warrior. This was a man who had great ability. And he's recognized because of his ability. He's recognized because of his majesty. He served David. Amen. If you want to know what makes a Dino great, it's the fact that he chose to serve David rather than Saul. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, we all have a choice as to which side we're going to be on. And if there's anything recognizable about us tonight, it ought to be because of who we're serving. Amen. We ought to make much of Jesus. It ought to be about him, not about us. And what made a Dino great? was because of his ability, it was because of his majesty, and then it was because of his loyalty. He sat in the seat. Why did he sit in the seat? Because David could trust Adino. He could trust this man behind his back. He could trust him in the heat of the battle. He could trust him when the enemy, with an entire army. Let's face it, uh, the fact here tonight that there's some people, you just cannot trust them, amen? Why is that? It's because they're not trustworthy, amen? They like to make little comments in your absence to others. They like to play both sides of the fence. Uh, they always uh, have some little snide comment or remark about the leadership or what the leadership is doing or the way the leadership is doing it or who the leadership has put into leadership, amen? You watch them that try to berate and degrade uh, the the people that have been placed in leadership by leadership, it tells you a lot about them. They have some quote or some comment uh, that's baptized in sarcasm, amen, or with some twisted sense of humor when in reality they may be full of jealousy, they may be full of, en of envy, but there's one thing they are full of. They're full of disloyalty. Amen tonight. That's not something we ought to be scared of. It's something we ought to be aware of tonight. How many of you love this church? How many of you tonight would like to see this church carry on without a split in it? If we've made it this many years, do you realize it would be an absolute another miracle if we make it the next 10 years without a split? Think about that. You want to go another decade without a split? Do you realize that's going to be a miracle? Tonight it's going to take people that are loyal. It's going to take an iron fence like we said this morning. It's going to take some people that don't even find it funny when it comes to, 
to being disloyal. I'm not talking about out of the bounds of that book. I'm talking about we need to teach our children. We need to teach our young people to respect the man of God, respect the Sunday school teachers. As I said this morning, we need to teach them that you taught respectfully to them, to respect other saints and older saints. Hey, young people and young adults, listen to me. You need to learn to be quiet and let people older than you talk and you talk less and listen more in your 20s and in your 30s. You need to learn, amen, to let somebody else lead the way and my friend to respect those that have gone on before you. You don't always need to have a comment. You don't always need to add something to. You don't always need to be Mr. Funny Guy. You don't always need to be the one going around popping the wisecracks. Hey, listen, you need to be somebody that's sober-minded. You need to be somebody that's serious about the work of God. You need to be somebody that knows how to hold the hands up of those that are laboring and praying and preaching to your soul. You need to be somebody that's got some character. You need to be like a Dino. Amen. It bothers me when I see some people's never grown up. It bothers me when I see people that's never learned the lesson of loyalty. Being loyal. That ought to mean something. Now I'm sure there's somebody that'll say, oh, well, you know, they're just trying to, they just, they got an occult down there is what they got going. You ever heard that? Well, we did put a fence up back here, didn't we? I'll tell you, go down there to that church. That's a preacher-run church. No, we, as I said this morning, we just ain't letting them run it. Can I get an amen right there? Y'all don't die on me tonight. If you love your church, you better back it up, amen, because I promise you, there's Jezebels. I promise you there's Huzzies out there. I promise you there's Diotrephes out there. They'd come in and take over tonight, tomorrow if we just let them, amen. And I'll tell you what to put fear in that crowd is when a man of God gets up and preaches of somebody gets with him, amen. Don't get your head down, hold it up high, and back up the preaching. That's what people used to do because they had conviction about it, amen. And everybody mealy mallys around and wonders if they ought to say amen and looks across the aisle to see if they can get approval from some woman, amen. I'm telling you, friend, you ought to have enough guts and grit about you to stay with a man of God. You ought to have some conviction about you. You ought to have some character about you, amen. I don't want to be lifted up tonight. But I'll tell you one thing. We're going to keep her right and tight until Jesus comes. Is that right tonight? We're not going to let that crowd take over. Amen. And some people need a shepherd and some people need a drill sergeant for a pastor. You can choose which one. I'll be either one you want me to be. I'd rather be a shepherd. Amen. But if I have to be a drill sergeant, we're going to get the job done at the end of the day. Can I get a witness on that? And we're going to do it the way God wants it done. Amen. And I promise you that in the fear of God and all humility, I don't want to do one thing that God doesn't tell me to do. I try by the grace of God. I'm nothing. I want you to know that. But I want to pray about everything that we do. I want it to be in the center of God's will. Amen. How many of you kids like to have a playground here at the church? Okay, three of you. Well, we might name it after you. I've been, I've been, listen, I, I pray about, I never thought I'd pray about a playground. I don't even, I don't care about playgrounds. But I'll tell you, can I tell you something been in my heart for about two months? I've been worried about these kids. They run around here like roaches all the time. <laughs> Everywhere you look, I mean, they're hiding. They're, they're in everything. And I'm just like, and, and I'll tell you something. Here, later when I start praying, the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure if it's him yet. 
But it is every time I pray. Won't you build a playground for these kids so one of them don't get run over? I'm not telling you it's God, but I'm not telling you it's not God. But I'm, I'm asking you, would you pray with me about that? I think we ought to pray about everything. I don't think we ought to push dirt. And I know Brother Terry say amen to this. I don't think we ought to move a stitch of dirt without praying about it. I don't think we ought to do anything without God's will. I'm telling you tonight, you just, you just got to be the center of God's will about things uh, and the character. And there's, we got to be loyal to him, but we got to be loyal to the leadership. You either trust it or you don't, amen? It's just that simple. And I see the character of Adino, and then I see the courage of Adino. Look at this. I love this phrase. It's the heart of the message. The Bible says in verse number eight, notice this. The Bible said that he lifted up his spear. He lifted up his spear. I want you to think about that phrase for just a few moments because it, it tells us about the character, not the character, but it tells us about the courage of Adino. He lifted up his spear. I think about when I see that little phrase, I, I think about the willingness of Adino. He was willing to lift up his spear. You know what we need in this hour? We need some men of God that's in leadership and we need some people in leadership that's not afraid to lift up their spear. Amen? It's not enough to totally it around. It's not enough to hang on to it. I'll tell you every now and then a man of God's got to clean off a path somewhere. So I just feel like that's what God's put in my soul these next few days is to clean a path off and to lift up the spear. Amen. We need some daddies that'll lift up the spear. Hey, We need some young people that'll lift up this spear. I'm telling you, Adino was willing. He was willing. Why? I'm telling you, we need some men. I thought, what was it? And gave this man the courage to lift up his spear. I think one reason was to honor the king. Amen. I tell you that may not do a whole lot for you but I feel something turning in my soul right now. I'm telling you every time I lift up this spear I feel like it honors God. Preaching this book honors God. Living by this book honors God. Standing with this book and staying with this book. It honors God. Saying amen to this book. It honors God. Why do we want to lift up our spear for the honor of the king it's his book it's his word we're his army we're his people it's his battle it's his fight and it's his victory hallelujah I think about the willingness of it to honor the king and then to because of the honor of the soldier himself Dino why did you lift up your spear because he was a patriot at heart and the battle was worth fighting and the cause was worth standing for. He lifted up his spear. I think Adino was the type of man that if it had been the only man willing to stand for David, he'd have still lifted up his spear. I think if, De if De Adino knew that he was going to die regardless of the cause, he was going to lift up his spear. You know why? Because there's some things worth dying for and there's a king worth dying for and there's one worth fighting for and Adino lifted up his spear because he was a soldier. He was a, battle, a warrior. He was a man that was willing. Hey, you know what's happening in this country, patriotism is dying and it's dying on every level. It's dying on a political level, but it's dying on a spiritual level long before. And we're to be patriots. We're to hold high the bloodstained banner. We're to stand with conviction. We're to stand for the cause. We're not to back up. We're not to back down. We're to be faithful. Hallelujah. Leadership is not supposed to crumble. In fact, it's not even supposed to give in one inch. We're to stay the course. 
And Adino was willing, the willingness of him. I think it was to excite the other soldiers in the battle. Can you imagine being a young private in this battle? And you've never really fought in a battle. You've been a part of the army, but you've never really had to take a stand, young people. But now the battle's come to your doorstep. Now it's time to be counted. And you want to do what's right, and you're on the right side, but you're fearful, you're afraid. Young preachers, we need young preachers that'll have convictions about it. They won't try to blend in. They won't try to look cool. They won't try to be hip. That'll make their mind up. You're either going to be an old-fashioned preacher or you're not going to be one. And you're in this battle, but this young private, he's afraid. The battle's fixing to take place, and he's afraid. On the other side, there's another soldier there. He's been in the battle for many time, many years, and he's been a faithful servant, but his body's growing weary, and he wonders if he has another battle in him. He's wondering if he's got another fight in him. And that, that man, uh, listen, he's just as fearful, but it's because of the frailty. He wonders he's wearied a lot of battles. Uh, he's tired in the battle. And both of these men on each side of this army uh, listen, they've got reservation about for different reasons and different causes. Uh, but this is what I believe. Uh, I believe when Adino lifted up that spear and they saw that spear, that great mighty man, uh, the one that had fought many battles, uh, the one that stood with David when there was just a few, uh, you know what it did? Uh, it revived their spirit in the heat of the battle. It gave them a cause worth fighting for and encouraged them. Uh, would to God we could get some men uh, to lift up their spears uh, and say, let's keep Keep on preaching. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on standing. Let's stay with it. Let's not back up. Let's not give in. Let's just hang with it. This book still works. It's still right. Let's keep on preaching. Amen. Woo! I wish I had a throat tonight. He lifted the willingness. I'm still willing, aren't you? I'm still willing to stay with it tonight. I think he was willing because it encouraged the next generation that the fight is the battle is worth fighting for. I think Adino lifted up his spear and was willing because of the testimony. Because he realized I've been too far. I've come too far to turn back now. I fought too many battles. I've served the king too long to lay down my spear now. Adino was assured of the victory, but he was not assured that he would come out on the other side alive. He knew that God would give him the victory, but in spite of whether he lived to see it or not, you know what his determination was? He is going to die on the battlefield. And can I tell you tonight, that's my determination by the good grace of God. It won't be because of me. It'll be because of him. I'm telling you a long time ago, as a teenage boy, I made my mind up on an altar somewhere. On my knees, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you till my dying day. I'm going to give you everything I got. And by the grace of God, I'm not backing up. I'm not given in and I would have faltered. I would have failed. But his grace has kept me. His grace has kept me in the forefront. I'm telling you, don't serve God by accident. You got to make your mind up. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Hallelujah. Hey, we're going to keep it right, aren't we, church? And if you're sitting on the fence tonight, you got to make your mind up in this service. 
Which side are you going to be on? The willingness. Then notice the weapon of Adino and his courage. The Bible said he lifted up his spear. It was straight, wasn't it? I like things straight, don't you? I don't like anything crooked. You ever met a few crooked people in life? I'm not talking about their arms and legs and their neck. Amen. I'm talking about their character. I just something about people when they're crooked, shady. You know, I mean, you can almost smell shady, can't you? I mean, if you got any discernment at all. But I like straight. Amen. I think you ought to be straight with people. I think you ought to be sweet. I think you ought to be right. I don't think you ought to mistreat people by any means. But I think we ought to shoot straight. Amen. And you can be kind in being straight. But I think, listen, I don't like things watered down. I, I, you know, somebody's always trying to ease something in. I wonder, why, you, know, I just, I, you know, I just don't know what they're doing. Is there, are y'all like that? Just tell me. Somebody was coming through here back last year and Every decision they were making was costing us money. And he started out a little bit. Then he got to be a little bit more. And that third time, I said, now listen. I said, give me the whole bottle of wax this time. He said, what do you mean? I said, don't spoon feed us. I said, it cost here, cost here, cost here. I said, you know, I got to talk to 200 people about this. I said, just to, so he dropped a big bomb. Amen. But I want to just, just lay it out there. Give it to me. I don't want to go to church and try to have to figure out what the preacher is trying to say. I don't want him to be mean. I don't want him to carry a baseball bat to the pulpit every time. I don't want to be beat every service. I, I don't want you to be beat every service. But I tell you, preach it all to be straight. Amen. I'm telling you, it all to just be straight. It doesn't matter if you're a banker or a beggar. It needs to be straight. Amen. It doesn't matter if you ain't got a nickel or two nickels to rub together or you got deep pockets. It don't matter. It needs to be the same for everybody. Amen. It needs to be straight. Amen. It just needs to be put out there. And a spear, this spear was straight. You can't throw a cro crooked one. Amen. I mean, it wasn't a boomerang, it was a spear. Somebody say, man, I'm telling you, friend, it was straight. I like it straight. I like preaching straight. I like for everything to be straight, don't you? Uh, I even like the pews to be straight. Uh, I like for everything to be orderly. And I'll tell you, this book is in order. Isn't that right? This book doesn't, listen, we're not to make this Bible fit our life. We're to make our life fit the Word of God. Now, I'll tell you what I found out down through the years in leadership. People like it straight until it don't fit them. It was straight. It was sharp. It had been used. It had been tried. It had been tested. It had been proven. It was victorious. And it was symbolic. When Adino lifted up that spear, here's what it meant. No retreat. No surrender. No backing up. We're moving on. We're marching on. Y'all still believe that tonight? Amen. I'm saying tonight the weapon and the warrior of Adino, his courage. Where did he get his courage from? His commander-in-chief. David taught him how to be a warrior. And I want to say tonight, Adino was first in this battle. I want you to notice the conflict of Adino, the size of, his, of the army. The Bible said he lifted up against 800 whom he slew at one time. How in the world does a man kill 800 people at one time with a spear? Some people believe that because he was the chief among the captains that he led the army, fought the battle. David got the glory and he got the credit. And he killed, they killed him 800 at one time. Some believe it was an act of God that he threw that spear and the miracle 
of God slew 800 people. You say, what do you believe, preacher? I don't know. I wasn't there. But I'll tell you what I do believe. I could see it either way. I could see it either way. I could see him leading that army. And in unison, they killed him. I could see him throwing that spirit and God sending an angel down and wiping them all out. I don't know which way it was, but there's one thing I know. Whichever way it was, these people were dead either way. Amen. It doesn't make no difference. I'm telling you, Adino threw that spear and there's a force behind it that went beyond his ability, went beyond who he was. And God wrote a great victory. You realize every victory we ever win, it's because of him, amen? And if you and I are gonna be the leaders that God wants us to be, we gotta learn to follow the leader. You say, well, I'm not really that much of a leader. But no, but you can get behind somebody who is and you can follow the man of God. You can follow the church, amen? You get behind the leadership. If you're a lady, you get behind Sister Grambling and you follow that leadership, and you say, well, I don't like that. Doesn't make no difference. That's how it's got to be. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, it's missing in this generation. Uh, you young ladies grow up and want to be like your preacher's wife. Uh, you say, well, that's your wife. I don't care. I still got to preach it. Amen. I'm just telling you, uh, you look at how she lives. You look at her life uh, and you follow her. Amen. You don't follow some magazine. You don't follow some movie star. And I'm going to say something right here too. Probably get a little quiet. But you don't follow the next personality of some woman that walks through that door. I don't care if she got sugar run out both sides of her mouth. And you think she's the greatest thing in the world. You don't follow her. You say, why is that, Brother Gravely? Because you don't know what they're going to be a year from now. Is that right? I've seen it in here, folks. I've seen it happen right here. I've seen somebody come in. They got charisma. They got personality. I mean, it's running out. They just run it out. <laughs> and people, I mean, they melt like butter because they hadn't grown up enough to learn this. People come and people go. And I'm gonna tell you who the people God put in your life and in my life that's always been the greatest anchors in our life outside the Lord. I'm gonna tell you who it is. Most of the time, it's the people that we pass over week after week service after service they're so humble they're so quiet they're so spirit filled if you're not careful they'll just always be there but one day you'll turn around and they won't be there and those people that just really captivate you they're always here today and gone tomorrow think about it I'm telling you tonight got way off course here but the conflict size of the enemy, the strength of the enemy, the slaughter of the enemy, no matter how big, no matter how bad, I'm going to tell you something, even when all odds was against this man, God gave the victory, didn't he? I'll tell you something tonight, he always gives us the victory. Don't you love him tonight? I'm telling you tonight, listen, I understand where we're at. We are the minority today. We're a nuisance to society if you want to look at it that way. No, we're not the famous and we're not the latest and we're not the greatest. You know who we are tonight as Bible Baptist Church? We're part of that crowd, Brother Chris, that we're just a little outdated. we still got a wooden pulpit. we still got a choir, bless our hearts tonight. I mean, we still go to church where everybody looks like they're going to church and not a ball game. Somebody say amen. I wouldn't even go to a ball game the way I see some people going to the house of God. I'm not talking about some lost men tonight. I'm talking about people who say they're saved and got Jesus living in their heart. 
I look, I've been in some churches, I'd stare at the carpet. Amen. I couldn't look at, and I, I used to be against road choirs, but I wish they was mandatory for every church. We can still shout in a robe. Amen. Only problem is we don't have to have them around here because we, we don't have a platform standard. Somebody say, man, we got standards for members of this church. Amen. We're not going to start a platform standard because a platform standard means you can do what you want to out there, but you, have, you can't do it up here. No. If you join the church, it ought to mean something. Amen. If you want to be a member of a church, that means you ought to take on some responsibility. Responsibility. You may not swallow everything the way we believe it, but you ought to have enough character about you to say, I'm going to uphold the standard of the church and I'm going to do what's right for the good testimony of the church and the man of God and those who are in leadership. God will bless you for that. Amen. Now I'm telling you, friend, we're going to keep it that way. We're going to keep, listen, we're going to do what's right in these last days because God, is, Jesus is soon coming and the conflict is great. I and mean, we are the minority, but thank God we're going to win the victory. Hey, when this thing comes to an end, when it comes to an end, don't you just want to have been faithful? I want to have longevity in church membership. I asked the Lord when I came to this church, me and my wife, we prayed this together. We said, Lord, if you would, would you let us raise our children right here? And let them grow up in this church, this one church. And let them have longevity and membership. And I'm thankful tonight. It don't work out that way for everybody. I understand that. But we're thankful tonight that they grew up here in this church. They got married in this church. They saw the good, the bad, and the ugly in this church. But they stayed in one church. And I'm not leaving, by the way, okay? I ain't going nowhere. But they stayed in there. I said, Lord, would you let them? Would you let them? Longevity. You can't leave because your children leave. That ain't leadership. And asking them where they want to go isn't leadership. When they get 12 and 13 and 14 and they look across, well, I don't, I don't like Sunday school because they teach the Bible and they read the scriptures and, and, you know, we don't play ball and we don't, you know, we don't even have a gymnasium here. And I'm not against it, you know that. But, you know, we actually go to church during the Sunday school hour. And when your children start saying things like, well, I don't want to go to Wednesday night. And when they say things like this, I don't want to sing in the choir, the youth choir that we're starting back Wednesday. When your children say, I don't want to sing in the youth choir, you know what you say, parent? You sing in that youth choir, I'm going to tear your tail up. Can I get a good amen right there? Now, if you got a television, don't you act like you got shocked because I said that. You say, well, that, well he, don't want, he don't want to sing in the choir tonight. You wear his rear end out. Make him go to that choir. Now, y'all, some of y'all quiet. I'm going to tell you something. That's the way you raise children. You don't give them an option. You raise them that way. You make them do what they don't want to do. And I'll tell you, when I grew up and went to school, every lunch lady looked like she just got out of prison. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And hated her husband if she had one. I think to be a lunch lady, you had to have at least one mole on the hand that served lunch. Amen. And we went through there like a bunch of inmates, you know. They lined us up on the block wall. We come through the line. They didn't ask us. You know what? We didn't have choices. You got a meat and three. And I wasn't, I'm not even sure some of it was meat. 
you got something in three. And they slopped it on there. And it, I mean, listen, it ran in every direction. You know why I don't mind my food touching each other? Because if you went to public school in our days, it all touched each other. It all ran. They didn't care. They're feeding a bunch of brats all day long. And now they go through there and it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, do you want this? Do you want that? No. You say, what if you had a food allergy? You just went hungry. Mom packed you a lunch. And parents didn't go down to the schoolhouse and complain. <laughs> Boy, I'm really out in it, Brother Laddie. But it feels real good right now, so I'm just going to go a little deeper in it. And he go down there and complain. And wasn't what the principal's office was for. Wasn't for you to go down there and complain. You know why they didn't complain? They was working. Amen. I think if a lot of parents worked, they wouldn't have time to complain. And mothers was working. They wasn't texting all day. Oh, no. You say, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Make sure you're working all day. Don't be what First Timothy chapter 5, isn't it? That busybody woman going from house to house. Don't go from house to house with your cell phone, texting 15, 35 people all day long. I'm telling you, you need to be washing dishes. You need to be cooking some, you need to be doing some ironing, amen. You need to do some work. You don't, you don't need to be in contact with 25 people every day. It's not leadership. You need to be ironing, making biscuits. You need to be mopping floors. You don't need. You don't have to text twenty people. Take the pressure off yourself. You're not supposed to do that every day. I think we got a lot of social media's brought all that busybody stuff in. Where was I? Oh, I was in public school. What? We're going home in forty-five minutes. But I'll tell you what happened. They didn't, go to, they didn't go to school and complain. Do you know the reason? And it's not the reason ours did, okay? I want, you, I want to be clear about that. We have to tell you something. I thank God for all you young couples. Homeschool and those of you that put in the academy, every one of you couples, I thank God for you. But the reason you're not this way is because you hear enough regular preach, preaching on it. But I'm going to tell you something. Do you know what's happening in our Christian schools today? They're declining. Now, I've had people say, well, I ain't never seen a good Christian school. I can name you five good ones today. But I'm going to tell you something about all five of them that are good. My wife went to one of them, and she went there, and I'm going to tell you something. They've turned out a lot of good godly kids over the years. But I'm going to tell you what's happened to all of them. They're going down, and they're closing down. I had a pastor just this year called me, and he said, hey, he said, I'm thinking about closing our school. I said, why is that? He said, I can't put up with the pressure. I'm tired of church members complaining. They make great members, but they don't make great. And that's not true about here. But I'll tell you, nowadays, you know what? They've, we've, we've raised this generation. If you don't like something, you go down to the office and you complain about it. When I was in school, you're in public schools. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When we were in public school, if you got in trouble and you got a note, oh, Lord. You got paddled in the hallway. They took you out there like a prisoner, made you put your hands on the wall. Every teacher had a paddle about that thick with holes drilled in it and the names of all their victims on it. And I'm going to tell you, they, if you as a boy, they grabbed your belt loop and they tightened your britches up and they set your world on fire, didn't they? Then they sent a note home. 
And when they sent a note home, your parents didn't go down there and complain. They whipped the far out of you. And I tell you, the, the benefit of it is you didn't give the note till dad got home and let dad go ahead and beat you. Because if you don't, if you don't here's what happens. You tell mom first, she whips you. Then dad gets home, you get another whipping. He's been beat three times in one day for over one act. I'm just telling you how this world's changed. People don't even believe in that stuff no more. They want to shame you. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. Leadership matters. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a parent, whether you're on the job, you go to work tomorrow, whatever your role is, you be a leader. You say, well, I don't have a title. No, but I tell you, you ought to lead by example. You ought to be the hardest worker there. You ought to be faithful. Because I don't like things the company's doing. I understand that, but you ought to be right. You ought, they're giving you a paycheck. You ought to serve them well. Tonight, the conflict, there is a battle. There is a battle tonight. If we stand and look at take a stand for God, you can stand. That wasn't what I was saying, but go ahead and stand. <laughs> I'm done, Miss Allen, come on. <laughs> well, so there's about seven of you. <laughs> you took your stand a whole lot faster than I wanted you to. That's about the funniest thing I've ever had happen in church. <laughs> Ain't no getting this one back, is there? Y'all stand up, I'm done. I don't know if you've had all you can take, but I've had all I can take. You know, the four of you that were so anxious to get out of here, you salvaged my sermon tonight. Because the seven people that were mad, you finally put a smile on their face. <laughs> hey, I love you tonight, church. I really do. And I thank God for you. And I want you to know this from the depths of my soul. It is not, and this is not a complaint. I want you to hear me tonight. And it's not about you personally. It's not easy to pastor today. And I don't mean that. You're not a burden to me. I'm going to tell you, there's something I do enjoy doing after service. It's never a burden to me. And I'll do it tonight. And I'll do it Wednesday night. And I'll do it Sunday night. I don't do it on Sunday morning just because of my family. I promise to go home and eat with them. Sunday dinner. But it's never a burden to me to talk to people after church or before church. I love you and I want to pray with you and I want to help you. I really sincerely mean that with all my heart tonight. But having said all that because of the day we're living in, it is not easy to pastor a church. And I don't say that, don't, I, I don't ask for no, I ask for your prayers and I believe you do. And you say, why do you make that statement, preacher? Because all of hell is fighting against these churches like this tonight. And you feel the pressure, don't you? It's on your children. It's on young people. We pray for you. It's on you. It's on, it's on you, mom and dad. You go. I feel sorry for you people that work on the job. And you get all these probably emails and all this agenda that they're trying to pump down your throat. And you've got to handle it wisely. I understand that. I know what. I believe that tonight. And I pray for you. But tonight what we got to do is we got to stand together. We got to keep pressing on. We got to keep the devil. Oh, listen to me. We have to keep the devil out of this church. If you're stewing on something, if you've got something in your heart, I said it this morning, I want to say it tonight. You get right with God about it. 
Because what we got here is the best thing we got going for us outside our home. Tonight our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to come pray, you come pray. Just follow the leader.